Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Fullen. Thanks for listening. This episode is supported by the podcast host who have just launched their new community, fanfission.com. It's a place for all the things I've been talking about in the past, but now with the added sense of community. I'll tell you more about it later, but check out fanfission from the podcast host. Right now, though, let's find out what it's like being freelance for photographer Matt Porteous. Basically, I just went out and I started photographing everything. And this is everything that I'd never photographed before. So I blagged my way into every business. I put myself in front of every client and I told them that I'd done this job before and I knew how to do a business portrait or I knew how to do an architectural interior or I knew how to take food or anything else. I just, I just basically lied my way into every job. I mean, there's, there's so much work that we do do that's never shown on our website. It's just showing our style, you know, we don't have to show everything that we do all the time. The work on the website is, that's just your, that's your shop window, that's what people get attracted to and then they can walk inside. Yes, there is Matt, who is a freelance photographer based in Jersey, we'll talk to him in a, a moment, and whilst... You know, the um, the purpose of this is to find out about how he exists being freelance and ended up being it and has evolved and what have you. Uh, it's fair to say, I think this must be the first guest where I'm pretty sure everyone listening will have seen one of his photos at least. Like he has a particular photo or set of photos which have been seen around the world uh, because he took photos of Prince George, as in the UK royal family, uh, at his birthday. You know the pictures of Prince George, I think in shorts, with an ice cream on a rug, with a dog? He took those photos. So I'm not, I'm not even exaggerating when I say pretty much everyone in the world saw those photos. Whether you care about the royal family or not, they were just everywhere. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued to find out about that. Uh, but also, you know, how, how, how he's developed his work, because it, it's pretty stunning stuff. As ever, there are links to this guest, but also all of the other guests at beingfreelance.com, where you can also sign up for our newsletter. So make sure you do that and hit subscribe, not just on the newsletter, but on iTunes or whatever the podcasting platform of choice that you use is. Make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss a guest. We've got some cracking guests coming up as, as ever over the next few weeks. And I've not mentioned this for a while, but I should. I think it's important to say that it doesn't matter what the guest does for a living as in you don't have to be a photographer to enjoy a photographer's episode you don't have to know what full stack is to to enjoy a developer's i don't know what it is to enjoy a developer's episode it's about being freelance and of course do share this spread the love if you know somebody who's thinking about becoming freelance or who is please do tell them about us so that they can listen as well Right, let's crack on though and say hello to Matt Porteous, who is a freelance photographer based in Jersey. Hey, Matt. Hey, Steve. How are you? I am good. Thanks for doing this. Um, yes. What? How lovely living in Jersey as well. And and you you grew up in Jersey. You were born in Jersey. Yeah, that's right. I grew up in Jersey. I've um, you know lived here all my life. It's a beautiful place. Um, I think it's inspired a lot of my work through the years. And being it's being being um, born on an island, surrounded by surrounded by the sea. Yeah, I should explain for um for for people not from the UK who might not know Jersey. It's like it's it's it is the UK. It is part of the UK. Yeah, no, it is the UK. It is the UK. It's just a it's a neighbouring island that's um, connected to the UK. But it's it's more like France. It's quite a distance from from mainland UK. 
and yeah uh, we can we can see france and um yeah we can see france there's a lot of french names but everyone speaks english yeah very nice okay but it's a very small island like you can drive around it in what an hour or something like that <laughs> yeah you can get around it in about an hour i think it's 50 miles all the way around <laughs> 52 amazing. miles so cool okay so there you are give, give, give us people a, an idea so uh let's hear how you got started being freelance so um i got started being a freelancer after um leaving school at a young age and I spent a lot of time traveling and trying to find myself and uh, I always had, always had a huge passion for my photography um, which, took me, which took me all around the world and um, when I came back to, uh, to Jersey I was, um, I was working in the, in, the, in the building industry and um, I just continue, you know, I, was, I wasn't happy in the job that I was in, I knew that I wanted to be somewhere else, I wanted to be something else and my, my passion was my photography so I continued to work hard at that. I used to enter a lot of competitions as well. I was a little bit underconfident about my own work but at the same time I was looking at these magazines and reading these magazines and seeing these people that had won competitions and I was thinking you know like that's that's good but I think I can do just as well. Um, I wasn't really telling too many people about my work I was keeping it kind of a little bit under wraps and if people, you know, if people saw my images, they always used to tell me that I had a good eye for it. But um, I, I entered a few more competitions and um, I came first place in a couple of UK magazine competitions, which I think that gave me a little bit of a boost to really take my photography forward. And um, whilst I was in the building trade, actually the building company at the time, uh, I just turned around to my, my business partner one day and I said, I'm going to leave. I'm going to, I'm going to focus on my photography. Um, I had a three-week contract through a friend of mine in Jersey who runs a creative agency, uh, the Observatory. And um, he said, I've got this three-week job. Do you want to come and do it? And, um, and I did and just never went back to the building trade. I just, it just continued. It carried on going. Oh, I see. So actually in the building trade, you weren't just a builder. You were running a company, you made that sound like? Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, had a, I was running a company. It's a stonemason landscaping company in, uh, in Jersey. So I had a, a team of guys working for me and I just, um, I just dropped it all. Oh, right. So wh- and when did you start that? When did the company come about? Was that after travelling? Yeah, that was after travelling. That was in my early 20s. I think I was about 22, 23 at the time. Ah, okay. So it's interesting because that means that you had a sense of business, running a business and, and so on and so forth. And so when did you then make that jump? How old were you then? Just to put everything in perspective. Okay, so yes, I made the jump into the photography when I was in my late 20s, about 28. And had you sort of planned it? Did you perhaps have savings behind you? Because it doesn't sound like you had <laughs> clients set up, for example. No, I don't, I don't really calculate these kind of things. I just jump in at the deep end without really thinking of any consequences at all. <laughs> that's that's just the way my mind works, and I continue, you know, I continue to do that up till now. I just I, I know there's a way. I know there's a way to do it, and and I, I just I just I just jump for it. I just go for it. I mean, there was no finance. There was no backing behind me. There was. Um, I just had a camera and a couple of lenses and just went out and at the time there was a lot of magazines, there wasn't so much online kind of tutorials and anything. So I would spend a lot of time just reading about how to run a photography company. So how long ago are we talking now? Because I don't know how old you, how old you are. Okay, so it's been going for eight years. Eight it's been years. running for eight years, yeah. Well, okay, so 
so you leave with 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 no real plan. You've got a three week gig ahead of you. So how has it grown since then? Well, basically, I, basically, I just went out and I started photographing everything. And this is everything that I'd never photographed before. So I blagged my way into every business and every, I put myself in front of every client and I told them that I was, that I'd done this job before and I knew how to do a business portrait or I knew how to do an architectural interior or I knew how to take food or anything else. I just, I just basically lied my way into every job. So you would, what, send them an email, knock on their door, all around Jersey was this? Yeah, it was all around Jersey. So I'd send emails, I would, um, I used to go to morning kind of meetups where you meet different businesses and you chat to different businesses and you tell them who you are and what you do. Um, I would just meet people when I was out um, having a drink at the, a local bar. Um, when I was at a sporting event, I would, I would continue just to sell myself. And then I would start getting my images. That's it's when Facebook was kind of getting quite big as well. So I put a lot of my work on there. So how did you feel then? Like, were you feeling confident? Deep down, I was nervous as anything. My, my nerves would be through the roof. But face-to-face -face with my client, I was the most relaxed person. And again, weirdly, that's, that's carried on. If there's really high-pressure jobs that I go to, before I get there, um, my, my, I'm so nervous. But when I'm there, I, just, I, can, I can settle into it because I know that I'm capable when I'm actually on the location. So how, so that kind of takes us, I guess, probably through your first year of being freelance. Like, um, you know, we've mentioned that Jersey isn't that big. There's a lot of businesses there, but after a while, presumably you start to set your sights elsewhere. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, the first, the first few years, I mean, it was, um, there's, Jersey's this kind of, this, finance island. So there's a lot of business here, but there's also a lot of businesses connected to the UK and to Europe. So I had a, I had a lot of work here um, over in the first few years. The first, the first year was, was a bit of a struggle. And then word kind of started getting round and more clients came through. And I don't think I turned down a job for the first three years. So I would literally do any work just to just to make a living, just to make ends meet. Um, and so then some of the clients from over here, then they had connections to clients in London. So I think on the, you know, the second or third year, then I was being flown around Europe to take photos of villas around Europe and um, flown down to Mauritius for three days to photograph a villa down there and do some lifestyle shots down there. And so yeah, so it just started taking me all over the place, which is great. That's awesome. So it's those connections, because your clients have sort of fingers that stretch outside of the island, so did you. Yes, yeah, exactly. At this point, you're taking photos of everything. Did you eventually find yourself working in a niche? or? Yeah, so I think you always, I think you always read and you always hear that when, you, you know, when you're a photographer, you always, just need, you always need to aim at one subject. You need to have a niche, which is, which is really true. But if you haven't got any money behind you, just to work in a niche is really hard because that niche market, you have to have a really 
strong portfolio before you can make money out of that niche. So if you can, you know, you can work in a bar at night and be making some money and then you can be focusing on your niche and you can be doing a lot of private work or sorry, a lot of personal work, or you can be a commercial photographer and photograph everything to build your niche. And I guess that's the route that I took. I just wanted to be taking photos all the time. So my commercial photography um, funded my niche. My biggest passions in life is, is travel, portraiture, and the ocean. So the niche that, I'm, that I follow now is portrait photography. Um, and I, I, you know, I take the winters off every year and I travel and take photos of interesting people. And I spend as much time as possible under the water. <laughs> So that's my niche, they're my niches. Amazing. So all through this stage, you're trading as yourself, as Matt Porteous. Um, I mentioned this because when I look at your website now, uh, as we record this, 2016, it says Studio M, which I like. Now, is that still you or do you have other people working with you? And How did you evolve into Studio M? Or would your clients still recognise you just as Matt, if you see what I mean? No, no, this is this is good, and it's only this is this is the fun part. I think this is the the new fun part of the of of, of my world as a photographer. Is yeah, yeah. Clearly, the clients will still know me as Matt Porteous, but uh, Matt Porteous as a photographer is taking photos. Um, managing his editing, sorting out emails, doing the whole thing. And it's, I just found it impossible to carry on like that. So about three years ago, I bought in Max and Max has became my second photographer, stroke lighting assistant, stroke editor. Um, and, and we started working really well together and with uh, Max on board, helping with the editing, it gave me the ability to get out and do more photo shoots. And another year later, then there was too much work for both of us to manage. So we had to get a Becky. So then Becky came on board and she started looking after the bookings and making sure that we got to jobs in time and making sure that our diary was right and making sure that emails were replied to. And then we had space for Elisa. So Elisa came on board and she helps with all the accounts now. And we needed a video guy, so we've got a Googsy, so Googsy looks after the film. So there's a whole team. We've built this team up, which is, it's essentially, it's, um, it's a content studio. We're just we're supplying photography and, and film, and we are having a lot of fun doing it. We're just, it's a creative team. It's, a great, it's, it's great fun. And how do you work that? Like, do you, because it sounded like it grew quite organically, but are, are you all based in one place? Are they freelance to you or do you actually employ them? How, how does that work? So everyone's freelancer. So we're all freelancers. Um, we just all work underneath one roof. And, um, you know, the, the way, you know, I think, a lot of, I think a lot of photographers in the past have very much kept things to themselves and they haven't really shared so much. But uh, we're, we're all about sharing and sharing the work. We all have our own kind of passion and, and love for our work. So even though Becky's here sorting out our accounts and everything, she's an ex-dancer, so she is focusing in on the London kind of dance scene and she's taking her work to London and she's photographing these amazing dancers and and Max he, you know, he loves his travel and adventure, so he is focusing in on his 
I think he's going to go to Alaska next year and go trekking across Alaska and he wants to really focus in on that. Um, but whilst we're here as a studio, then we're just all working together, helping each other in this commercial world. And when you say you're working under one roof, are you actually under one roof? We're actually under one roof at the moment, yeah, we're under one roof cool. in Jersey. And you, you are the boss, if you see what I mean? Like you own that space and are in charge ultimately sort of thing? Well, I mean, you know, I'm the I'm the director of the company, but I wouldn't say that I'm the boss. As in, <laughs> we, you know, it's yeah, yeah. I don't I don't take on this boss role. We we very much we sit down every week and we sit down in a group and we chat about our ideas and what we're going to do and what's going to happen next. I certainly don't tell them what they all need to do. That's cool. It's amazing to think, isn't it? Like if you, it would have been possible for you to have thought three years ago, oh, I've got loads of work coming in, more than I could do. And then just turn stuff down instead of yeah. thinking, actually, how, how can I still take on all this work? Well, that's, that's what you do. I mean, you know, I was getting to that stage um, where work was coming through and I couldn't do it because I was either away or I was already booked. So I would be passing it to other photographers, but, you know, which, which is great. I've got some, uh, some other good, uh, great friends in Jersey that I could pass work on to. But as soon as you make that initial connection with the client, then that work can will continue. It can continue for years and years ahead. So, you know, I guess it's it's almost like silly sometimes to to miss work. So building a a team that then we can keep continue to um, to capture everything and and keeping the quality of the work that we do under one roof with a group of photographers that we can that we can go to. I mean, even we've even worked with a few more freelancers as well. So. Um, we just we just know that we can keep that quality up and keep the work coming through and keep up that client um, connection, which is which is priceless at the end of the day. Have you found any challenges through the past years or, or past few years of being Studio M? There's a few challenges. There are challenges just so we all understand how we're working together. And through a really busy time, through the summer, there were some challenges of just the stress levels were going so high and we were so busy and there was so much going on that, you know, it can kind of, you, you need to, you're not just looking after yourself anymore, you're looking after a team and you just need to make sure the team are, uh, are happy the whole time. And we, you know, we've come, we've come through that. We just, we just, we just talk. Uh, if we if we have a sit down and we have a chat every couple of weeks or every week, then we can talk through any issues and and that all gets cleared. Nice. Okay, I tell you what, let's just pause for a moment while I remind you that this episode is supported by the podcast host. And congrats to them actually, because they have just launched their new community called Fan Fission. It's like a place which brings together everything they did before and adds a community sense to it. So if you want to build a rock solid, loyal legion of fans and do it through podcasting, then this is for you. They've got courses, resources, live training and support, all of which is designed to help you to make a success of your podcast or get one off the ground. So it might be marketing for your business or it might be talking about your passion. Whatever your aims are in podcasting, Fan Fishing is there to help you reach them. And they're currently offering a discount for founder members because they have just launched this uh, and they will be closing the doors. It's like one of those um, sites where you join for a bit and then they close the doors and then they'll open it up again sometimes later. So do check them out, fanfishing.com. Basically what the podcast hosts have always done and done brilliantly, but 
even better and even bigger with uh, a real sense of community around it as well, which sounds like a great idea. So good luck to them with that. And do check it out as well. Fanfishing.com. There's a link at beingfreelance.com. Back to you though, Matt. Now, in general, I don't sort of dive into any specific work that people do. It's all about being freelance. But there is one photo uh, or one photo session, I guess, shoot that you've done, which must have been seen all around the world with the royal family. <laughs> it's like, how did you end up in that situation? <laughs> Everybody asks that. And uh, I, I just believe that Kate liked my, uh, my imagery. So did William and Kate, what, just stumble across your website or had seen it like? No, I think there's, there's a family connection and um, I, I'd, I'd photographed at a friend of theirs wedding and I think they'd seen the images and they heard that I was a nice guy to work with and they liked my style and um, and yeah I just got a call asking if I'd if I'd be up for taking some pictures of, um, of Prince George which which was amazing experience I mean that's a great connection but you must have been pinching yourself I couldn't believe yeah I mean yeah really I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't believe it I was I was being quite relaxed about the whole thing and not really you know I kind of I play things down a bit, whereas my friends around me were just all going, going a little bit crazy when they found out what had happened. But. And did that sort of high-profile photo make a difference then after that to your work? I think it's, yeah, I think, you know, it's definitely brought on um, some different interests and a few more jobs have come through um, from it. There was a lot of initial... Um, media attention but we you know i didn't i didn't reply to any of that i didn't uh, want to have, want to chat about any to any tabloids or anything about the whole experience because they would have asked too many questions so um so i kept out the media for that for that reason and um yeah i don't know it's you know it's it's given me it's given clients confidence in me and i think it's given uh you know it's given myself a lot of confidence as well in 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 the work and when I you know when I walk in front of new clients and it's uh, it's good it's um it's, it's it's an amazing experience that you know not many people are fortunate to have so mm. so with all of this uh, you know obviously you've got so much client work coming in but it sounds like you're still managing you know you mentioned earlier but you take winters off so work-life balance sounds like it can't be all that bad but yeah how are you coping with with that side of things running a photography company is it's a lifestyle choice i i believe um you know we're working six seven days a week 12 14 hour days so you really have to love your your work which is which is a passionate side of it um, so throughout the summer, uh, there is no time off. There's, it's just either on shoots or traveling or editing, which is, which is the lifestyle choice of this. You know, you wouldn't, we wouldn't put the amount of hours in if it was a nine to five job. You can, we can, I just wouldn't want to do that. But, um, so you, you know, really have to love what we're doing. And then when we get to the winter and the, and the, and the season's finished in January and February. That's the, probably the time that we have the least amount of work. So that's the time to take off and follow on to the personal projects that equally build 
um, at, like our style of photography. So it's 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 working through the summer, having these crazy hours, these crazy days, and then getting to the winter to follow the dream of personal projects. So your personal projects is that more of the underwater photography that you mentioned earlier you sent me a link was it ocean culture or something oceanculture.life yeah ocean culture life all the photography on the site at the moment is just my photography yeah and um this was a this is a passion project that started last winter uh with a friend of mine um googsy um he's a filmmaker and i was a photographer and we just we've we've had a passion for the ocean since we were since we were kids and we've spent the last 10 years as friends talking about you know we want to do something different we want to we're going to do something together and um and last winter we started ocean culture life um with the look to exploring the world and telling stories about people that have connected to the ocean um that people have a passion um and they're connected to the ocean so it's our it's our place it's our portal to bit of tell these stories through imagery and film how does like doing a side project like that have an effect on your business yeah yeah it's, a good, yeah it's a good question i mean it's it's the personal work it's the personal work that shapes you as a photographer so i think you, you know if you look at my site you can you can look at my my main commercial site most of the work on there is actually just my personal work because that's showing who who i am as a photographer and this style of work that I shoot and the kind of you know the color and the tone that I use um, but it's it's also the the kind of showing the work that I want to attract and also the clients that I want to attract and the, the the personal side the your personal work as a photographer is the most important is the most important bit um, you you know you can't just be sharing all of your commercial stuff and just I mean you're gonna you're gonna lose your passion first if you just keep sharing all your commercial work so um yeah so i continue just to share and post my underwater pictures and post my my travel stuff because um because that's um that's that's me that's that's my work yeah it's a good point it's like that personal work then is reflected onto the studio m site because that's the kind of work that you guys want to attract yeah so yeah it's the kind of work we want to attract it's the the clients we want to attract I mean, there's, there's so much work that we do do that's never shown on our website. And I was even, you know, I was having a chat with Max about it the other day, and he said, you know, he's like, I really think that we should put some um, corporate portraits on the website because we do it all the time. I said, Max, it's fine. We've got loads of portraits on there. It's just showing our style. You know, we don't have to show everything that we do all the time. So if people want to see a folio, then we can send them a separate folio. But the, the work on the website is that's just your that's your shop window. That's what people get attracted to, and then they can walk inside. Yeah. Now I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself, make two true and one a lie, and let me figure out the lie. So what have you got for me? Okay. I was part of a three a.m. fire evacuation of seven hundred guests in a Canadian hotel in winter. Yeah. I was locked up in an Alaskan prison for stealing salmon from grizzly bears. <laughs> I made a friend wear bacon trunks in a bear-infested national park. Oh, my God, this is amazing. OK, you were part of a 3 a.m. fire evacuation at a Canadian hotel. You got locked up in an Alaskan prison for stealing salmon off a bear. You made a friend wear bacon trunks in an area where there were bears, did you say? 
in a bear infested national park. Bear infested? I, lo- <laughs> I love the idea of anywhere being infested with bears. Is that a wasp infestation? That's one thing. Yeah, maybe. Bears- yeah. Oh, God, I- the loft is full of bears. Will you keep it down? Okay? <laughs> yeah. Oh, not the bears again. Okay. Uh, Bacon trunks. What? What did? Okay, I've got it. What? What's the deal with the bacon trunks? <laughs> it was a. It was a road trip. We were on a road trip through um, Yosemite <laughs> National Park, and um, we dressed our friend up in bacon trunks and cowboy boots and made him run through the park. <laughs> you got locked up in an Alaskan prison. I was cycling around the world on a unicycle, and um, I... (laughs) Of course you were. And you wouldn't wouldn't use that as one of your facts, would you? No, of course, that's just a minor detail. Go on. Yeah, that's a a minor detail on a unicycle, and uh, we (laughs) stopped off in Alaska, and um, and, we stole some salmon. We didn't actually fight with a grizzly bear, we just... Stole some salmon that was um, that had been caught by the grizzly bears, and uh, and the and the local um, guides caught us and locked us up. For real? So the what the bear had just left it there with, and the yeah the bear left it there uh, Wait, for its what? young. And you, you oh man, I. Uh, Okay, here's the thing. The 3 a.m. fire evacuation story now sounds so dull compared to the other two that it feels like it must be true because when you've cycled around the world on a unicycle, why would you, uh, unless that's a lie, why would you make up the fire evacuation? So I'm presuming that's true. right? Well, the fire evacuation was, yeah, the fire evacuation was, it was really by a friend of mine who hit the, um, maybe hit the alarm but it was an evacuation when it was minus 20 outside Oof. and all the guests had to run outside of the Canadian hotel in winter. Okay, I reckon that's true. And I think the other two have bears in common and one of them is true and you made up the other one. And I don't think... I mean, you're, you're an, clearly a nice boy, Matt. You wouldn't steal salmon off a baby bear... I don't even think... I, I can't see that one. Like, the bacon trunks is ridiculous, but I think it's true. I don't think you would steal salmon. I, that's the lie. Okay, you got it. Yes! <laughs> I wish it, it would be good if it was true, but I would never steal salmon from a baby grizzly bear. That'd be so mean. Exactly. It? So did you really cycle around the world on a unicycle there? No, I didn't do that either. <laughs> <laughs> Because that bit I was fine with. I was fine with that. Okay, uh, very good. Now, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? Uh, if I could tell myself one thing, it would be, um, yeah, have, have confidence and don't be scared of rejection from, a, from an early age. I think that would be important. Um, enjoy every minute. And fo- always focus hard on the personal projects. And I'd probably stay on top of emails as well. <laughs> is, is that something which has caused you trouble in the past? Yes, let's say yes. In what way? In, in terms of always being out on location and then having to come back and trying to deal with your edits 
and then your emails would come after that. So that that's always that was a, that was one struggle that we used, that I used to have. Mm, yeah, and then and then people start to think you're just rude, or it yeah, people think you're rude something. because yeah, if you you know if you're working yeah if you're working in an office, you're always in front of your computer, so you can always be in you can always follow it up, you can always be in contact. But um, it's I think it's important actually when you you know when you're in the situation that you can is to have somebody managing that and have somebody managing your bookings. Because it could be the it could be the rudest thing if you if you don't get back to people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Matt, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for your time. Check out beingfreelance.com for links to all of Matt's work and his side projects and uh, and to reach out to him on Twitter or Instagram or whatever it might be as well. Um, but Matt, thanks so much and all the best being freelance. Thank you very much, Steve. It's been great. Thank you so much for your time. So there you are. Hope you enjoyed that. If you're new to being freelance, please do delve deeper into our back catalogue of guests because, well, you might have missed stuff like this. You want long-lasting business relationships. You don't want these one-off jobs. I think just having that mentality, though, is helpful for a freelancer to not rest on your laurels. If business is really good, then it's safe to assume that that could change. I worked at home for many, many years, and then uh, we had a kid. So at that point, I found a studio and I couldn't believe what happened to my productivity. Literally probably get three or four times as much done in a day. Absolutely unbelievable. And I wish I'd done it years ago, actually. It's kind of about knowing your worth and being prepared for them to walk away if they don't see the value in it. You know, the wife, she needs to feel like she's every bit and more so important than, you know, sitting here at a desk, you know, working all day. She needs to feel safe, secure, loved. And I mean, balancing that time is so, so important. My real issue is I can't say no to people. I just want to do everything that comes my way. In the freelance world, it's not good to view other freelancers as competition. There's enough work to go around for all of us. All those guests and more, make sure you subscribe on iTunes or wherever it might be. And of course, you can find them all at beingfreelance.com. That's it for this one, though. Have a great week being freelance.